HVAC 360 is brought to you today by the Commercial Demo Funhouse. Ever just want to blow off some steam at the job site? Do you think that those demo guys are limited up on Easy Street and having all the fun? Well, Demo Brothers, Dougie and Donnie, want to share the wealth and let you get those unhealthy pent-up aggressions out of your system. There are electrical rooms with cable tray and wiring everywhere. There are sprinkler rooms, and there's even a mock-up of an architectural office. Did you ever want to drive a skid steer with a hook around the floor, ripping down everything in sight? Well, all this and more can be yours without the cleanup. Reservations are required and team-building events are encouraged. Just bring your angry eyes and your PPE. Discounts also available for those with union cards. Come visit the Commercial Demo Funhouse, where every day is Demo Day. Welcome back, Matt Nelson here, your host for HVAC 360, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. Each week, I'm either sharing information and lessons learned from the field or talking with industry experts. Uh, but I don't stop there. I want to, everybody to encourage you to double down on your weekly helping of HVAC knowledge by hopping on over to HVAC360.com and join my growing community of people just like you. Um, as an added bonus, uh, you're going to be among the first notified of my free webinar series that is coming to the uh, first uh, first part of 2019, we're going to be launching that probably uh, here either in March, late March or April. Um, and each one of these uh, webinars that I'm going to be putting on only have 100 spots. So make sure that you're on that uh, first to get notified by being on the list. So it's going to be on a first come, first serve basis. So... What is up for this week? Well, I wanted to share some information about electrical basics. Um, gaining electrical knowledge has been a little bit, um, one of those things that's been on my bucket list for a long time now. And there are some things electrically that I have just struggled with that have been just kind of a constant struggle. Uh, I don't claim to be the smartest person in the room. And this, some of these electrical concepts just... You know, I don't have them down, and I think a lot of uh, different factors have played into um, kind of obfuscating and, and making these a little bit confusing for me. So I took some time, and I dug down a little bit deeper, and I got some good information for you that I want to share. Um, also, I just want to make sure that you understand that today is just the tip of the iceberg, but I wanted to talk about electrical uh, stuff from a mechanical engineer's point of view, and obviously, fair warning, I'm going to do my best here, and I'm going to try to point out areas where it may be a little bit shaky, um, but I encourage all of you to just use this as a starting point and go down your own electrical rabbit hole uh, to find the information that's going to make you uh, the best and the brightest, but... So here it is. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, fundamentals in general. I think uh, a little bit of the fundamentals. There are when you talk about electrical stuff, uh, there are conductors uh, and those. That's the wiring. Um, those are usually made out of metal. These are things that allow electrons to flow easily. So copper, aluminum, those are going to be the two basics that you're going to be running into in electrical, um, 
in, in the electrical world. And there's other things called insulators. I think a lot of us are probably more familiar with insulators than anything else. Um, insulating glass and rubber. Um, those are some things that, you know, we, we get. Um, so these are things that don't have a lot of free electrons. Um, now, one thing that I learned in college that was kind of, I don't know, I like to think it was a little bit useful. Uh, but it was uh, along the lines of the uh, the right-hand rule. So electrical charge moving along a path creates a magnetic field. And the magnetic field in the direction of the, the, uh, the airflow, um, you can use your right hand, uh, sorry, no left-handers, uh, a right-hand um, rule. You can kind of curl your fingers. The curling fingers will replicate the uh, magnetic field around a wire. And the direction of your thumb is going to be the direction of the flow. So, um, and remember that with alternating current, it kind of flips flops back back and uh, back and forth. So the vice versa is, is true. You can flip your hand over and goes the other way. All right. Uh, one other thing I'd like to point out a lot with the fundamentals. A lot of people like to use the analogy of electricity being like water. Now. I think that's doing a little bit more disservice uh, than it is helping. Uh, it kind of confuses me a little bit because it doesn't always apply. It's a, uh, a great kind of uh, teaching tool, but it has its limits. And when you get to those limits, it really makes things confusing. And it doesn't really, <clears throat> it's, it's not a, a be-all, end-all of a uh, metaphor for learning what the electrical uh, electrical charge, electrical current, electrical flow is all about. So one thing I want to start, uh, I'll start off with is the Hertz. Now you may be like, really? Hertz? Why? Why are you starting here? Well, you know, I always wonder, this is one of the questions that I'm like, where did it come from? Now Hertz, if you don't know, obviously cycles per second, um, that describes kind of the oscillation of the alternating current. So when you're generating electricity, you're going to have your stator, your rotor. Stator is going to be the, the, the uh, part that doesn't spin, and the rotor is going to be the part that spins. And that's what creates this electrical current. Now, so the hertz is really the result of the spinning rotor. So 60 cycles per second. Um, that's where you get your that's the kind of the the, the rotation of the motor um think about think about it the, this way that's kind of uh, also uh something that might be a little bit more useful um if you talk about rpm so revolutions per minute now you have 60 hertz and 60 seconds in a minute so if you take 60 hertz and 60 cycles or 60 cycles 60 seconds in a minute and you multiply those two things together, you get 3,600 RPM. Now, if you've known about motors and pumps and things like, like that, that's going to be a pretty familiar number to you. Um, 3,600 uh, RPM. Also, <laughs> when you cut it in half, you get the 1,800 RPM. So if you've ever wondered where those numbers kind of come from, uh, it's really about the, the hertz and you know where they are found in the world. So... One of the questions, obviously, why 60? 
And uh, if you're not in the U.S., Canada, um, it's going to be 50 hertz. Why 50 hertz? And I think there was a lot, you know, when you when we started developing uh, alternating current, I think one of the things that um, first came on the scene uh, was the fact that we could, uh, you know, convert uh, different AC voltages. So we had these transformers. So once we got the transformers, then we could start building these systems. Uh, now, these are kind of small systems. These are kind of tests, you know, test sites um, that popped up all around the world, um, not just here in the U.S., but so the British inventors with the transformers, the Italians got on board pretty early with their alternating current system. Now, what did the Italians do? The Italians picked 130 hertz. Um, this is, you know, where did it come from? I'm not exactly sure, but, you know, uh, they they actually scaled it down to 120 hertz. Um, and they, you know, you could see with all this, a lot of these early systems, um, there was no... You know they weren't they weren't married to one specific uh, hertz rating, so that they were playing around with it. Um, in nineteen uh, or in eighteen eighty six, Westinghouse, um, who was the big uh, alternating con, you know a current or the alternating current proponent uh, versus Edison, who was the DC proponent, um, he bought some he bought the patents from the the British uh, for the transformers. Now he. Wanted to, when he made a system, it was 133.33 hertz. So this is this is one of those things where it's it's all over the board. Um, 1891, Germany had a system. They used uh, 55 volts and 40 hertz. So you know you got every everything from you know 40 hertz to 133 hertz, and everywhere in between. Um, so where did we kind of? Um, settle on the 60 and 50. Well, it's I guess it's important to note is that in the early systems, the one thing that was very important um, was that they, you're going to be primarily using the uh, electrical systems for lighting light bulbs. So what you couldn't do uh, <clears throat> is supply the alternating current at too low of hertz um, because you would see that it would pulse. It would actually flash on and off now the one thing that uh, so it had to be had to be up there it couldn't be you know I mean I'm sure if you it had to be above like 32 with the the frame refresh rate that you'd see on a TV and the flicker I, it, it's something similar to that so it had to be above that so I think you know when Germany had the 40 Hertz I think that's probably the lower end um, but you want to make sure that it was low enough because um, there are idle losses when you when you start including motors, which was the other big use. Uh, the idle losses were less at the lower frequencies, but obviously you had that lower limit where we had the flickering bulbs. Now, in 1893, Chicago's World Fair, they uh, Westinghouse was putting on a demonstration product project. Now, here's a name that you're probably familiar with, or should be at least. But Nikola Tesla, um, he was working for Westinghouse at the time, and he decided to pick 60 hertz. Uh, why? Uh, 60 cycles in a second, 60, you know, 60 minutes in an hour. 60 seemed like a good number for him. It was down, you know, towards that lower end, um, but not too close. So 60 seemed to fit. So that's kind of the best explanation of 60 hertz that I've heard um, uh, be explained. Now, 
why did the rest of the world go with 50 hertz? Well, when you're dealing with a metric system, 60 is not a great number. Um, different numbers that are better, uh, 50 hertz is good. 100 hertz, that would be okay. Um, so they had a choice, but I think they, they picked 50 because it worked. It was a nice metric number, a good metric choice. And it wasn't too high for those idle losses, and it wasn't too low um, to get into those flickering light bulbs. So 50 hertz was the metric choice. Uh, now the fact that we don't have these demonstration demonstration systems anymore, everybody is pretty much locked into those uh, hertz ratings. So that's that's pretty much it, um, except for the fact that I want to point out is what's the one fun and exciting thing about mechanical engineering and hertz is the VFDs. Yes, that's right. So we don't necessarily, we don't change the voltage, we change the hertz. Um, so you have everything from running motors at half speed, which would be 33 hertz uh, in the U.S. here. And uh, you would have, and there are also uh, plug fans. Um, some of the plug fans, some of the fan wall systems, you can actually increase the hertz. So some of those run at 80 hertz or 90 hertz. It uh, really kind of depends on the selection that you have. Um, so keep that in mind um, with those specific systems that, you know, 60 hertz isn't always the right number. Um, you know, especially if, if, if you get locked into that um, thinking that 60 hertz is, is your answer and you come to find that you're short airflow and you look at you look at your selection, you go, oh, wait a minute. No, it wasn't supposed to be 60. It was supposed to be 80 hertz. And then you're going to get the right airflow out of this fan wall system. So that's one thing about hertz and in relation to mechanical engineering. Now let's move on to uh, the next component that I broke down is phases. Now, all these systems uh, were single phase. Um, it wasn't until the World's Fair that they actually um, introduced two phase. Um, and that was the kind of the first time that they used, uh, they, were uh, they were demonstrating motors. And two-phase was was perfect for that, um, so that was that was one thing. Um, I'll, I'll, now, as far as single phase goes, I think it's one of the things that is important to note, um, and that I find just absolutely amazing. Um, when we talk about DC, we we can actually this this you know is probably more towards the um, electrons flowing kind of thing. Now, DC power. You're constantly pushing, you know, from high to low, uh, high pressure to low pressure, so to speak, um, positive to negative or negative to positive, depending on which which way you look at it. Um, so you're you're actually going from a, a higher electrical pressure to a lower electrical pressure, um, and that that's where the water analogy works. Um, AC current does not, and and now to note. Electrons do not flow as fast as you think they do. They actually flow pretty darn slow. Um, the electromagnetic force, you know, when we talked about that right-hand rule, um, that electromagnetic force that, that kind of uh, propagates along the, the surface of the electrical wire, um, that actually, you know, travels, you know, speed of light fast. You know, that's, that's really pretty instantaneous. But as far as electrons flowing, not so fast. Um, AC now AC electrons and and this is kind of it helps you out when you when you're talking about um, you know the different systems that are in buildings uh, alternating current electrons vibrate 
Um, when you look at a sine wave, one of the things that always bothered me, I'm like, okay, there's you follow it up and it peaks and then it goes down, back down to zero and then you you're negative. And I'm like, wait a minute, what 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 does that mean in reality? Because that that's one of the things that's always bugged me. Um, but when you really think about it, um, when you think about the rotor and the sto- the uh, the rotor and the stator, um, and the you know positive and negative poles that that creates because it creates that magnetic force. So whenever we talk about magnets, they have a you know a, a north and a south pole. Um, so that flips up and down um, in a single phase um, or in in electrical field. So you're going to have positive and you're going to have a negative aspect. So electrons as part of the AC system move back and forth. They don't necessarily just continuously flow out and that's where the, the you know like on a DC they just vibrate in place and that's where you get that sine wave and that's where you get the negative part because it's actually coming back. That's that's really what it what it means is that you have the electron going forward and you have the electron coming back. So that's that's how um, that's how I visualize it. Um, now the single phase motor. The problem with the single phase motor is it, it you know for the light it does great. Um, it's purely resistance, but uh, to get a rotation on a single phase um, doesn't work because typically if you put if you hook up a single phase motor to just a standard uh, single phase uh, power supply, it's just going to vibrate in place. It's not going to go anywhere. It needs kind of a, a kickstart, and that's they've made modifications to be able to do that. There's certain um, components that are in single phase motors that gives them the kick they need. And once they get that kick, they're, they're fine. They, they start spinning, um, and that's fine. Um, the one thing I guess you'll when you when you talk about the different phases that's important as well as uh, is single phase the, the torque is not constant um, because you're going up you're going down so it's not constant over the uh, amount of time and the average power that you are actually generating is half of the maximum power um, and that what's that supposed to mean to you? Just understand. Just understand. We're gonna we're gonna talk about two phase and three phase power, um, or two. Yeah, those those kind of powers, and that number is gonna change. So just remember that the average power is half of the maximum power, um, and that's kind of goes into the ex- explanation of why we use two phase, three phase, uh, etc. So now two phase. You know, the first time I I heard that was used was the uh, the World's Fair. I don't. I don't see that being used anymore. I don't know about you, but I. I just don't see it. Um, in in the two phase, you have the standard phase. Um, you know that starts at zero, it goes up and down um, through the cycle. Three. You know, three hundred sixty degrees, um, and then you have a second phase that starts either. Um, it either started at you know negative ninety or positive ninety, depending on on where you look at the. Uh, um, so it's ninety degrees out of phase. Um, again, that that's great for self-starting motors. It actually does because you have um, these these two sine waves now. Um, it does have constant torque. Um, now the average power that you have is actually uh, one and a half times um, the maximum power. So now it's kind of almost like you get twice the uh, average power that you did with a single phase. Okay. So twice the average power. 
Um, Two-Phase, uh, the only problem is there's some problems with it when you talk about generation. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but uh, suffice it to say, there's a specific reason why we don't use two-phase anymore, um, and it has to do with transmission losses and voltage drops across transmission lines. So three-phase, however, does not have that. Three-phase is the first time, and that's three phases. So you have uh, starting at zero, you have 120 and 240 uh, through that 360 uh, degree. So they're all 120 degrees out of phase. Um, the one, one great thing about these is the phase vectors actually add up to zero when you're talking about talking about the current. And that's kind of important when you start talking about transformers, when you ta start talking about three-phase motors. Um, and, you know, the, uh, be the benefits here is that, again, you have the constant torque. So two and three-phase constant torque, even four, five, six-phase all have constant torque. Um, and the P average, the uh, the power average, is one and a half times the maximum power. So we're actually getting uh, more. It's it's greater than the maximum power on on a single phase. So we get this sort of this additive effect. Um, now you could keep adding things. You, there are such things as four and five and six phases, um, but they're just they're just not used. Um, and and why is that? Um, you still have all the benefits. You're still, you, your P average would be greater um, than in three phase. But the problem here is that you'd have more components. You'd have more wires. You'd have more, um, you'd have more transformers. You'd have you know, more uh, switch gear. Everything, it would just be more of everything. So um, the benefits that we get are uh, limited um, to you know at, at three phase three phase is basically uh you think of it as the lowest common denominator for all these benefits so the benefits are marginal at four or five six phases um and you know the downsides are much greater so three becomes that minimum uh that uh minimally feasible lowest common denominator that offers all these benefits so that's why we have three phase. We have single phase and we have three phase. Um, two phase does not make the cut. So we that's what primarily what we're going to have in these different systems. So, and again, all these phases, when we talk about phases, it's either, um, you know, 100, 120 degrees out of phase. And that, and that doesn't matter whether you're talking about uh, U.S. or you're talking metric. Um, both the same as far as the, the phasing goes. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about voltage now. Now, voltage was one of those things um, that I didn't get a lot of information for. I know that when Edison originally had done some of his tests with uh, the direct current, the one thing that he wanted is he, he wanted at the house, at the load, he wanted 100 volts DC. That was his kind of objective. Uh, the problem is, is that he it would be... Um, the voltage drop between the generator and the load, um, there would be a voltage drop. So you have to generate electricity at 100, 110 volts DC uh, to be able to get 100 volts at the, at the load in the house. 
Um, so that's really the uh, the only thing that I could find that was why 100 volts. I think there's probably somebody way smarter than me can, um, or even a little bit smarter than me, could probably identify why why we kind of focused on just uh, you know that 100 volts number. Why was why was that the magic number? Um, but that was kind of the best explanation to why we generate things at 120 volts. Um, ultimately, we'd want that 100 volts at the uh, at the load so uh, higher voltages uh, the one great thing about the AC system um, is we could uh, generate higher voltages and then we could transform them at the load uh, because the downside of the DC system the direct current system is that you have to have generators about every mile so it really wasn't that efficient you have to have all these little uh, distributed power plants um, around your neighborhood to be able to generate DC power uh, to your house so with AC we were able to transform uh, from a higher voltage to a lower voltage something a little bit a little bit safer um, so to speak you know electricity in the wrong hands is always dangerous but it was a little bit safer um, less transmission loss smaller wires uh, these are all things that are, are a, a bonus of using higher voltages now when you think about voltages one of the things that you know mechanically speaking um, the voltages are very important um, and voltages and phases are very important because they talk about um, equipment compatibility um, can I use because you're gonna you're gonna end up in this environment, this system of 120 volts or 480 volts or 220 volts, 230 volts, um, depending on where you are in the world. Um, you're gonna be in this ecosystem, and all your equipment has to fit within that ecosystem. Uh, so if I want to use a three-phase chiller and I only have single-phase power. Um, that's not going to work. That's not going to be a, a great match in that ecosystem. Um, so there's uh, that's how you can think of voltage. It's it's just you know what type of equipment am I going to be using? That's a lot of conversation that I have with the electrician. What kind of power are we going to have? Um, you know what are we going to be able to use? So I could actually you know on my schedules I could actually make the right selections and put that down some equipment isn't available at all the different voltages um, so that's another important thing to to realize about voltage now voltage here in the uh, in the US um, we have a single phase voltage uh, single phase voltage uh, that's gonna come 120 um, that's from the uh, the power plant 120 240 um, two, four, two, you get 240 because you add the two phases of 120. Um, and I'll, it's, it's not exactly that, but I won't get in that here. But you, you can basically ascend, uh, simply um, add those two phases and you get 240. Uh, so that is um, one of the things. But they're both single phase, so they're both in the same phase. Now, when you get into three phase, um, there is a, a less common um, 120 to 08 phase, um, and we're kinda, we'll get into that when we talk a little bit about transformers, but you can get a, a 120 to 08 phase, uh, three phase system. Uh, but more commonly, the standard kind of commercial uh, system that you're going to see in the U.S. is going to be the 277 480 volt. Um, this is going to be your standard now. Not everything, you know, it's like, how do you plug in the outlets? Um, well, <laughs> in a 
277 system, you're not going to put that to an outlet. So what you have to have in those systems is you're going to have to have a another transformer. You're going to have to transform down from that 277 480. You're going to have to transform down to 120 um, to get your plug loads. Uh, so that is kind of the the downside of the 277-480 system. Uh, upside, obviously, you have a higher voltage, um, which is better for big loads. And um, that was actually one of the benefits of the kind of this, this pseudo transition, this, this 120-208-3 phase, uh, because you could take one of the legs and it would be 120. Uh, so you wouldn't need any additional transformers inside the building. But, you know, the only, the, you know, the maximum voltage you could get uh, would be 208. So that was kind of the downside. Now, internationally speaking, um, okay, here I'm a little bit, <laughs> you know, a little bit out of my uh, realm, so to speak. Um, but they have a, uh, or they had, I should say, a 220-380. Now that sounds like uh, our standard, our standard system. Um, the one thing that was kind of interesting that I they noted in my research was that. Um, they still had like 120 volt, um, you know, 110, uh, 120 volt. Uh, that was the distribution system that was common in the uh, common in Europe um, pre World War II. Once World War II ended, um, copper was at a shortage, and it was much cheaper. Uh, they could use thinner wire and uh, still get the the higher voltage. Um, so since there was so much you know, turmoil and change uh, happening at that time, uh, that's when they decided to actually kick it up. That's why it's it's 220 um, and now 230. Uh, that's why it's uh, three-phase um, is like that. They don't have a, they don't have a single-phase system, um, to my knowledge. So, but well, they have single phases, but their system is more of a three-phase, 50 hertz at 230 slash 400 volt. Um, so that's kind of their standard. There's a 400 volt slash 690, but I'm not sure if that's kind of, there's a, a, a couple different voltages that was, were listed, uh, like in Wikipedia, uh, on three phase 60 Hertz. Uh, we just don't use those, um, you know, 600, uh, 600 volts, not a lot. Uh, all these are kind of considered too. one thing you got to realize these considered, I'll use air quotes, uh, low voltage, um, low voltage when it comes to, uh, talking about power. Um, obviously, when we talk about controls, low voltage means something completely different. Um, but what we're not talking about, we're not talking about transmission um, uh, type voltages here. We're just talking about, you know, what we're going to use in sort in in the uh, in the commercial environment, in the residential environment. Um, so that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk about. All right. I, I would love to anybody who wanted to explain, um, you know, the different systems around the world. I'd be more than willing to uh, to entertain that. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about voltages. Um, now, when you talk about Hertz, Hertz isn't going to vary uh, coming from the uh, electrical company. I mean, it's a spinning motor. You're going to get 60 Hertz. <laughs> not, not a problem. Nobody's had um, any issues with that that I know of. Um, who knows? I could be wrong. I have been before. But when we talk about uh, the voltages, the voltages I know can vary, um, and you get situations, especially um, you might get under voltage, you might get over voltage. But the uh, the electrical companies are very, very um, 
they're very, very uh, cognizant and they're very, very uh, focused on getting you the right voltage. Now, typically they can vary plus or minus 5%. Um, so they can be 5% over, 5% under, and that's kind of what they expect to deliver to you. So that's what you would, you'd kind of expect from them. So I guess a couple of things that you might might think, depending on where you measure uh, measure voltage, uh, you might measure voltage in a system. Um, so if it's outside that range, that might be an issue. Um, as far as the utilization goes, where you use the power, um, there are specific uh, you know minimum maximums um, as far as the uh, pressure drop or not pressure drop, the voltage drop rather. Um, when you're talking about uh, main to a sub uh, sub panel, um, you can think uh, you know, have a max of three percent loss. Um, when you get, go from your sub panel to your load, that's another three percent loss. Um, if you, but basically from the main to the load, the the electrical code says you're probably going to have um, a maximum of a five percent drop, uh, a voltage loss rather, um, for your system. So, um, I guess if you if you measure, uh, say for instance, if you measure the voltage at the um, the main where it comes in, you could expect you know again that plus or plus or minus five percent. Um, if you measure it at the equipment, um, it would be plus five percent, but it might not be um, you know it it probably is not going to be any lower than than uh, than minus ten. So ninety percent of what your rated rated load is. Um, so the good thing is that most manufacturers really uh, um, standardize around the plus or minus 10% of voltage. Um, now, that's the one thing. When you, when you take a look as a mechanical engineer, when you take a look at, say, you have a big motor. Uh, in the U.S., a big motor, and it's, it's like you know 20 horsepower. Um, that's probably going to be a 460 volt. Um, now... <laughs> A lot of times you specify it as a 480 volt, and that is kind of meaningless because that is more of a utility voltage and not a equipment voltage. The equipment voltage will be um, 460, and why is that important? Well, um, the equipment is rated at 460, so you get plus or minus 10% off of that. Uh, so that typically will fit within what your service uh, service entrance variation will be plus your losses in the system. So that that range, it'll be plus or minus 10%. As long as you can hit it within that plus or minus 10%, you're going to be okay. Uh, so that is kind of the reason why you'd see 460 volt uh, on a... Uh, um, uh, f uh, like a 480 system. Um, on a 120 system, you're going to see the uh, 115. You're going to see 110. Um, those are kind of some of the typical voltages that you're going to see for equipment on that system. And so that's, that's one thing to understand is there's equipment voltages and there are service voltages. Service voltages are kind of, you know, again, that kind of big picture, um, you know, the, the ecosystem that you're playing in but the equipment voltages are going to be less than what the system voltages um, are going to be uh, so you can get that plus or minus 10 percent and you're going to be fine um, as long as you're within that range now let's talk a little bit about um, the one of the last things i wanted to cover was was transformers um, now you have basically two different types of transformers and and this is it's probably i might be stretching this a little bit you might have to 
you know, go on YouTube and, and, and figure out, um, understand Transformers a little bit better. Um, but again, this is simply, um, that was the one nice thing about uh, one of the questions I really had in my mind is that, say, for instance, at, at your residence, um, at your home, um, you're going to have some sort of transformer on a pole, um, and the system is um, going to be a transformer. Um, you have the different, you have the, the wire coming in, and you, you wind it around the iron core, and depending on how many turns you have on both sides of your primary and secondary, because there's on a transformer, there's a primary side and a secondary side, um, but they don't touch. Uh, that's one fascinating thing. So the the one system for the electrical distribution doesn't touch your residential distribution for your house, um, nor does it do that at uh, uh, for any commercial project or utility project. That transformer isolates, uh, physically isolates. And basically what it's doing is just creating a, a magnetic field. So on one side, you're going from... Um, you know, an electrical current to a magnetic field. And on the secondary side, you're going from that magnetic field and inducing current in the wire. So that was that was the one kind of, you know, fascinating thing. And, you know, there are, you know, the different configurations. You know, why is there four wires on the, the, uh, the Y transformer? Why is there three wires on the delta? I mean, where does that fourth wire go? Um, and that's one of the things I, I probably... <laughs> maybe dedicate a special podcast or uh, maybe I'll save it for the membership group for you know where you know what is the purpose of the neutral because the the one thing that really bugged me is you know why is there a neutral for a an outlet but there's no neutral for a uh, 240 load in your house um, and that's one of the things if if you if, if if I just said that and that kind of blew your mind um, you know you need to figure that out um, because that's that's really cool. Why there would be a neutral for uh, 120 and not for uh, the 240? Because um, I, I look a lot, I look at a lot of pumps and I'm like, all these pumps they have three phases and they have th- you know the three wires going to them and there's no there's no neutral and that just it just boggled my mind. I'm like, why why is that? Um, and you know it, it's it's the whole thing that that all these these uh, you know the vector sums of the uh, of the three phases they all sum at zero so you don't have you know you you're you're kind of at any one time basically um, the short answer is and if this is confusing to you I apologize but basically at any one time um, you're going to have one of those legs uh, of the um, those hot legs be actually more like a return, be the neutral, um, and it's going to rotate depending on what you know what the phase is. Um, so your 240 volt, um, you're going to have one of those phases is going to be the neutral, um, and it's going to you know that's going to complete the circuit. And again, this is this is all related to you know it's not necessarily flowing; it's vibrating back and forth. So as long as you've completed the circuit and you have that all the way back to the panel, all the way back to the transformer, and everything can vibrate uh, back and forth, that's you know that's where the magic happens. So it doesn't necessarily have to flow in a flow in one direction, but it just kind of it does this vibration thing, and that's you know that's kind of amazing. So um, why transformers? 
Why do you use Y transformers? Well, Y transformers are great because you end up getting two voltages out of it. Um, you can go because there is that fourth wire, um, which is the 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 ground or the neutral. Um, if you look at a Y, it, it actually looks like a Y. Um, also called a star transformer um, or a star configuration. So the center is, um, you know, it's all the same. It's at, it's at zero, um, and you can use that. But the distance between that and one of the legs, that's going to be one voltage. And from a leg to a leg is going to be a different voltage. So you have two voltages. Um, most, uh, when you talk about uh, the 277, 480, uh, when you talk about the uh, um, 120, 208, those are going to be uh, more, more than likely that's going to be a Y transformer. Um, because if you get the smaller loads, um, that's what you want to have because you're going to get those, those are those, you're going to use some over here and some, uh, um, loads over here when you look at the panel, um, because the way they load the panel up, um, you, they're not always going to be the same, um, as opposed to like three wires where if you're, you're having larger loads with three wires, you're going to go to that load and it's not going to be unbalanced because, you know, the load itself is balanced. But when you're using just a single phase off of off of the uh, the three phases, then it you know has a chance to become unbalanced. But the the Y transformer is good for that, um, and it you know it, it provides less torque, it's less efficient, um, which you know is the downside. But you really can't beat that uh, two voltages just off the bat. The delta doesn't have that. Um, the delta is is good for um, you know high torque, more efficient. Um, and um, you can have what they call a high leg delta, which is like a, a different different style, you know, different style. But typically, where you're gonna you're gonna see these transformers, you're just gonna see a delta Y transformer. Um, you have the delta side, which is gonna be the three phases coming from the utility, and you're gonna have the Y side, uh, which is going towards your loads, um, which gives you the two voltages, and you know that's that's really kind of um, you know, where the magic happens. So hopefully that wasn't too confusing on the transformers. Um, uh, so that's, <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty much it. Um, I hope that was helpful. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, if you know somebody who's looking for more information about this topic, can consider passing this episode along. If I've totally screwed something up and it wouldn't be the first time, let me know. Uh, send me a line, Matt at building X or Matt at HVAC360.com. And, you know, we'll start a conversation. I'd, I'd like to identify as people who know, you know, a lot more about this than I do, uh, because I think it's a fascinating topic. I think that's it's a, a topic that's oversimplified, and some of the explanations can go a long way towards making us better engineers. Um, again, if you're not a subscriber, consider joining the growing community over at HVAC360.com for some more weekly goodness. And I'd be greatly honored if you'd consider leaving me a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of HVAC360. I'm Matt Nelson, helping you be the best and the brightest in the field of HVAC. And as always, know what you build and share what you know. <laughs>